Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Beam. We are here on a Monday morning to give our reactions to the Oscars. We were going to do it last night, but then our guest had to watch Real Housewives. We needed some time to sleep on this whole thing and really just think about what the fuck happened. And to join us in this discussion is our good friend, Corey Schneider. He's back. How you doing, Corey? I'm all right. How are you guys? Reeling. I don't, I don't, Reeling. I don't know. I don't have like a real honest way. I feel like or a real, a real hand. I don't really have my hands around how I, I think I truly feel about, about what I watched because it was just, I don't know. I just felt like I had the rug pulled out from underneath me a little. I think everyone did. And so, you know, we had this whole plan for this episode and it kind of got thrown out the window at the last minute gone and you know if you didn't watch the show basically what happened was third from last they did best picture usually that goes last and we were like what the fuck's happening and i i I (laughs) I think i I think i looked at you i'm like did they they didn't do actor and actress yet right i know i i went to the bathroom during the commercial break and i came back and it was best picture i was like did i miss something and then i texted Corey, and he was like oh you know what i bet what they're doing is they're setting it up for the chadwick boseman ending and i was like oh all right That's, that's what i thought when i saw what happened that, that, that's a good point. I, that makes sense. And then, of course, we get to the last category, and Anthony Hopkins wins Best Actor, and Joaquin Phoenix slides off stage real, real quick, <laughs> real quick, he got out of there real fast, and they, they cut to credits cut, real fast, and it was just over, and everyone's sitting there kind of in shock. You know, Corey, what were you, what were you thinking? What was your reaction there? Well, first, I felt very bad for poor Questlove who tried to wrap it up in two sentences that were, I can only say the, the tone was shock and awe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and we also have to note that Joaquin Phoenix didn't want to be there in the first place, as he basically told us. Um, I, I mean, it's interesting. I think there was a piece this morning in the week where, uh, where the writer talks about the fact that really this does both of the actors dirty right because you know it's unfair you know we had this expectation about Chadwick Boseman winning and you know I'm going into the night that's it's building to this moment and then you know then we have this win of Anthony Hopkins where it's like now people kind of there are people who who kind of meet that win with like derision or annoyance Right. Well, clearly, A, it's not Anthony Hopkins' fault, but B, this is really a producer's thing, right? And the producers are making that choice, and Steven Soderbergh making that choice to gamble on somebody winning. Um, in many ways, as you where you could see, maybe they thought it was well-intentioned. It's a cynical move, right? Trying to end on this kind of emotional, this bittersweet emotional, let's just call it a high point. Um, there's something cynical in that, because again, you, you don't control who the winners are, and then you make... It, it's it's like almost an unintentionally making Anthony Hopkins seem like almost villainous for winning, right? And I think, but it also at the same time for me, you know, we talked about this on the on the other podcast that I actually do think Anthony Hopkins' performance was the better performance, it's the one I would have awarded. So I was happy for him, but it's like, are we allowed to be happy for him, right? And you know, at the same time, knowing that he was the runner-up, everybody knew he was the me- next most likely winner, they should have everything in their power to make sure that man was somewhere near a camera, right? Although that, I don't know that, that it would fix anything for the finale, just because, like, whatever he said was going to still be awkward and weird because he didn't expect to win. Yeah, his his acceptance speech uh, that he posted on his in- Instagram definitely revealed that because you swipe, you go down a little bit on his timeline he's using an Easter egg as a, as a telephone. So I felt that the tone set it set in this one was a very bewildered. Like we just woke him up to let him know that he won won an Oscar for, for leading actor. And, uh, I, I got to give it to him at least that he was just like, also like shout out to Chadwick Boseman taken too soon. I mean, what else can, can he say at that point? Like everybody, I don't know. Everybody is just going to be, and it's a situation where I feel like everyone's right. Like Mm -hmm. anyone who's defending Anthony Hopkins and saying like, Hey, it's not his fault. It isn't. 
No. B, it was an incredible performance, and like he does deserve it. Like you still mm-hmm. kind of felt like going into. He's like, there's a chance he could win this, right? Like, and a lot of people kind of were predicting. I wanted him to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. And then, but I also feel like the indignant rage on Chadwick Boseman's behalf. Like I think they're right too, because you know I was I was talking last night with Beam. I was like, well, now he just will never be recognized in that way. And that is important. I mean, you know, a lot of people are saying like Chadwick people that knew him were like, you know, Chadwick, he, he would kind of just let it roll off him. So we should do the same. Right. But I also understand like people who are angry and like, it makes sense to me. I mean, but is is it important? I mean, yeah, it is. And it isn't. I mean, it's again, it's just the Oscars. How many people who are fantastic actors don't have, Glenn Close, who, sorry, don't you know, has had a much longer career and a much you know more diversified and, and been nominated eight times, doesn't have an Oscar, right? Like, I nobody, which I guess goes to show that as much as I like Chadwick Boseman and I love the work he did, he has a smaller body of work, and also nobody deserves an Oscar. Nobody, it's just it 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 doesn't not the way it works, right? Like they may sometimes get into their mind that you know. Sandra Bullock deserves it for her and to give it to her for the blind side and just, you know, set off ripples for, for generations to come with that insane choice. But that's not, but in, in a real practical sense, no one deserves an Oscar. And so I just, I think the whole framing of it is unfair to Chadwick Boseman, really, to begin with. I mean, would this be, and, and, and we may have discussed this in the last episode, but would this be the performance where you give him, and I understand this happens where it's like, you know, something like Leo, would this have been the performance you gave him the Oscar for? No, and I think that that's, I think, where this is. And I think, I think there's so many factors, you know, I, I think it's one thing to think about is, as always, there's Netflix pushback, right? People, the, the Academy is very, very wary of giving Netflix awards because of, the way it's trying to displace the industry itself, right, in theaters. And so there's always going to be that element to it. Um, you know, they'll always, they're, they're fine with giving it documentary, which unfortunately we saw again this year with my Optimus teacher. But there's just <laughs> categories where it's just not, you know, it, they're not going to let it happen so many times. Even, um, oh, I think about that, the law, Roma's loss, it just, which still bothers me to this day. Right. And I think there's, so there's always a Netflix factor to think about. I think, you know, to some extent, and I think we'll probably find out more in hopefully coming days, but there's the possibility of once, once again, that race could have played a factor, right? We still have a lot of older white Academy voters who might have, you know, a, a, a preferential bias for Anthony Hopkins or a bias against Chadwick Boseman. We no, but there's a lot of there's a lot of factors there. They saw themselves um, in him. <laughs> well, really, seriously. Yeah, right. But um, but at the same time, I mean, yeah, to your question, Dean, this wasn't his best performance. Like it's just it's and not his performance is good. The the part itself was apart from a play where he was playing. You know, it just didn't translate perfectly to film, and I I think. You know, that's the problem with these kind of ceremonial Oscars, like something like Alexander Bullock in the blind side or something like this. It's like, well, we need to, I don't know. I mean, it's just, that's, that's part of the gamble, I guess. Well, it was part of the gamble in the way that they decided to do <laughs> leading actor at the end. I mean, is this discussion as potent as it is right now if they hadn't done that? where they just did it normal course and then you get the best picture. Like, is it the fact that they left us with that? Personally, and, I think... And did yes. nothing like did nothing to comfort us afterwards, <laughs> like, because it was a shock. I mean, what are they going to do to comfort anyone at that point? And <laughs> I think, you know, personally, yes, I do think that made it worse. Corey, how do you feel about that? Yeah, well, I think the other factor I think about is that I, uh, again, this I think it was a cynical decision. There was, we all knew, this, despite how this category worked out, we all pretty much knew No Man Land was going to win. Why take that moment away from No Man Land, a movie, you know, directed by uh, uh, an Asian woman, 
the first, you know, first we never win that, obviously, which is ridiculous, and it's a whole other conversation. Why well, take it away from that? You know, as many issues as I might have had with the movie, does tackle these kind of important American stories. I mean, maybe there's the fear of ending on Francis and Gorman's wolf howling, which is a whole other thing. But like, <laughs> why, why not just end on that a kind choice. of almost guaranteed note? Why not end on that guaranteed note of that win? Yeah. And, and, and just like, get, you know, like, like you said, there was no way to I, quote unquote comfort anybody except again, they just kind of cut to quest love, but also like they didn't have any contingency plans, right? It, it doesn't think it was totally thought out. Like they're like, oh, let's make this decision. Everyone's going to love it. And we're going to have Chadwick Boseman's widow come up, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's just like, you, you, you can't run a live show that way. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And I, you know, for me, it just made it worse in that last moment where it, you know, Beam, you said it before, it just kind of pulls the rug out from under you and you're left with like mm-hmm. kind of an empty feeling. You know, I, I they were talking about this and it, in some ways it does make for good TV in the way that like, oh, wow, that's a shock ending. But like right. it's an unsatisfying shock ending. It's not like it, it just because and, and I guess this sort of speaks to the show as a whole, which I know we'll, we'll get at just what we thought of the, the whole layout, the format and just kind of how things went, you know, letting the speeches go longer than normal. Like, you know, to kick it off with Emerald Fennel winning, you know, with, with best original sc- screenplay um, and just what kind of the product was that I thought that set a nice tone that the rest of these Oscars, you know, while the speeches might've been long on some and meandering, like, I feel like I didn't hear too much mention of the actual octopus from my octopus teacher. Like, feels like that was a large part um but uh but yeah like there was just some speeches that obviously meandered but for most of it I I really enjoyed what I was seeing even though it still ran like three and a half hours long I was I was I was really into it I was really enjoying it and I was I loved what a lot of people had to say and to then just end it like that which again it's live television (laughs) which is which is certainly you know something to consider but it did almost feel like a very carefully choreographed sort of, you know, evening that to, to have it end like that and to have it set up like that, it just, it ruined it for me. So yeah, and not ruined it, I guess, because there were some really special moments from it, but no, but it does was like, it, it cheapened it a little yeah, is what sure. is really what I should say. I was going to say, was it carefully choreographed? I think in some ways Soderbergh wanted it to feel, have kind of an ocean, 11 through 13 feel of kind of this like hang, right? This casual hang. Um, but yeah. it is a, it should be a highly orchestrated night. And I think that's kind of part of, it was a little bit, you know, shabby, which could work, except it didn't work. Right. And so you still have to, you can, you can have the artifice of the hang, but there's gotta be some real like thoughtful structure behind it. And I think in some ways, you know, it, including those kind of, some of those overly long acceptance speeches. And you know, I, I, Anyone being played off, I always think, is in such poor taste. And I'm glad that they got to, you know, talk. But, you know, some of those speeches kind of went on and on or rambled. And it's just this whole, it kind of had this, and to the to the detriment of the fact that they barely showed clips at all throughout the night. Like, yeah, that it was is weird. about, in a year where more so than ever, the audience has not seen these movies because they weren't in the theaters. And, you know, not necessarily people neither either did not you know, seek them out on streaming or weren't going to pay the $20 for promising a woman or the father because they're still not available, not for rental, you know, to not show these, is like, well, what incentive does anyone have to go see these movies now? Because they haven't even seen the clips of them. It's just kind of this weird abstract conversation about the favorite movies of the people who are nominated, which has nothing to do with the performances, unfortunately. I was being too selfish, I think, in that moment because I was like, "Oh, I saw all these movies. Yeah, I don't need to see all the clips. I know, I know what the performances were." Although we did see the end of another round, which is one of my favorite things of movies this year. At the beginning, like almost like the beginning of this. Yeah, you know, I think Corey, your point that it really didn't consider the wider audience, and you know, it it was kind of weird. It was just, and your point about the oceans movies that can work when you have all these movie stars in a room, but like it was isolated moments rather than like a whole feeling that like carried through the whole three and a half hour performance. And so, you know, we we've discussed all the problems. Let's, let's 
let's get a little bit more positive. What were some of those favorite moments from the evening where it was like, yeah, that, that really landed, that really worked. Corey, what was, what was your favorite? Two words, the bot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. More words, Glenn Close, of course. Um, I feel like my life has forever changed. Um, and you know, you know, those moments where you see a meme is born, you just see it happening in front of your eyes. I will have that forever. So thank you, Glenn Close. And one day I, I hope you get that Oscar. Um, the early win for Emer- Emerald Finale was, was great. I was so happy for Daniel Kaluuya. Um, and obviously that speech was ended on a real high note um, with the cut to his mother. Just so confused about what he's talking about, his own conception. Um, I'm here. That, that was, was delightful. It was, quite a, it was quite a thing. Um, I think, let's think. Um, I kind of loved the roasting of Brad Pitt by um, Ye Young Jun during her acceptance speech. That was a uh, lovely moment. I like that a, made me love her even more. I was like, that, yeah, it's great. Where have you been in my life? Right. It was between that and I mean, um, that he couldn't even pronounce Maria Bacalopa's name. It's like you have one job, Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, you know, give yourself 30 seconds, sir. Um, so I was really happy for those early wins. Um, Obviously, I, I love that the ceremony opened with Regina King, who I just think is everything. Um, you know, it had its stilted moments. I kind of, we knew that the, the, the evening was going to try to to fold in social justice, which makes sense and is, is appropriate. But some of those moments, like her saying she would have, you know, exchanged her high heels for marching boots, it just felt strange, kind of just like kind of str- strangely it jammed felt, in. It felt forced, yeah. Yeah, like I, I didn't need when we were talking about documentaries I, or, you know, I didn't need them saying that Daniela Frazier's movie for, uh, or video phone of George Floyd was like a documentary. Like there's just things that, you know, let, let's be sensitive and, and think about how we talk about these things. But then you have moments like and I'm not a huge fan of Tyler Perry for other reasons, but his speech, you know, was a powerful speech, right? This thing he thought about and had a real message to it. So I think... I, I think I was happy for the presence of, of kind of the the question, the, the conversation of the outside world. I don't know that it always fit in perfectly, but happy that they were trying for something. Just you know, as always at the Oscars, they get stuck in moments where they're kind of congratulating themselves or slapping themselves on the back for all the things they do. But it's, it's of course not about them at all. Um, you know, of course. Chloe Zhao winning was really exciting uh, to see. Uh, you know, but I don't know. I, I it's, we, You need to stay positive, but it just wasn't a night that I think was strictly filled with a ton of highlights. It was just a pretty, for a variety of reasons, kind of a slow, not exactly upbeat award ceremony. One thing that I just want to go back to real quick the Glenn Close moment was that fed to her, or does yes. she does she really know that? Because I was like, no way. I thought she I, played it I off. Felt. I thought she played it off real well. But like, I that's I just said I kept repeating that over and over. I'm like, someone someone gave that to her. The shout out There's to Sugar no Bear. Way. It's like a shout out to Sugar Bear. Like everything. That felt was it. Just, that was when she that did was that. I was like, no way. <laughs> that was the tell. It was like you've was gone like, a step too far. But it was. Done, and now we know it was done. So and now we know smoothly. why you don't have the Oscar Glenn Close. Oh. Now we know why. <laughs> that's just that's just rude. But I I felt like it that's had rude. to have been <laughs> given to her. I felt so weird during the. Uh, Yu Jung Yun acceptance speech at the end where it was like clearly that was a moment where Brad Pitt he was supposed to come get her supposed to come get her but he's like (laughs) uncertain about like COVID protocols like can I go that close to her can I grab her can I help her can I hug her and it was like that was a clear moment where I was like oh that could have been something but now it's just it's awkward (laughs) here's the thing is I I think they told everyone what the deal was and Brad Pitt just was not there (laughs) he just wasn't paying attention at all and didn't know how to pronounce somehow fits Yeah. You, you know, it had it had that had the real echo of one of my favorite VMA moments ever is at the end of a Will Smith's performance of Wild Wild West when poor Stevie Wonder was left on stage and Dude. everyone <laughs> forgot 
everyone forgot to bring him off. And so they were kind of awkwardly going to a commercial thing where he was just alone on stage with piano. I mean, you know, I think calling around, you know, trying to move his head, gesture to somebody, please take me off stage. I had a real energy. I had that energy, I have to say. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of wild that moment. Um, and yeah, I mean, Daniel Kaluuya talking about his conception and his mother's reaction—that was just it was it was dynamite. I mean, it's it's one of those moments where it's clearly live television, and you know, it's it's just a joy when things like that happen. I I was I was so glad that I got to see it. I, mm-hmm. I, and I guess I, it was sort of those smaller moments that kept me in it. I mean, I did I did enjoy that it felt like the Oscars, or at least the people accepting these awards, are aware of just what is going on in the outside world. So that is nice that at least there's some recognition of that uh, to to a certain degree. Um, yeah, and, and, and to kind of comment on what you guys were saying earlier, just in terms of, you know, trying to almost make this seem like the casual Oscars. Like, it was just, it was sort of like into just basically, like, you know, your dad trying to act cool when he's hanging out with all of you and your friends. And, uh, you know, it tried. It gave it valiant effort, I think, in some ways. But, uh, I, you know, they took some risks, you know? And and some of it paid off. And I was, I, I overall was enjoyed. I, I overall enjoyed it, except for, obviously, the end. I mean, I really enjoyed the location and like yeah. doing it in that kind of the satellites and everything. I like the satellites, but I like the outdoor, you know, pre-show mm-hmm. and that looked mm-hmm. so good. And then the way that the theater was kind of organized, like I really enjoyed that as opposed to just like the kind of stuffy auditorium feel. Mm-hmm. So I like some of those things. I just don't know if that's going to continue. Um. I would, I actually kind of would like it to. Like, I get there's the problem is that they literally have a theater specifically for it. So it's just like, like, what do you, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, do we just keep put Brian Cranston in there, just I like was wandering around? Brian Cranston is still there. Is he been allowed to? Is he been allowed to leave? I thought I was worried because you know, every year they have that. That, that poor celebrity, usually it's actually Laura Dern, who has to talk about the museum and like the construction of the museum. It's like, will this place ever open? Um, yeah, I was, I was like, of course we have to, of course somebody has to be stuck in that theater to talk about it. I agree. I liked the setting a lot. I mean, I, I hoped against hope that we would have gotten at least one train pull in um, and heard it in the background at Union Station. Because it just had to know how that was all working together. You think they just like um, shut that down? They're like, nope, we have no trains nope, running through. <laughs> They announced that apparently, like nothing was rescheduled or offset by it, which I don't understand how that happened. I'm calling it now. Calling bullshit. Um, you know, it's interesting because as we're talking about this, I'm thinking like, for all of its problems aside, the one thing that the Golden Globes does so well is it is that kind of Hollywood hang, right? It's like it's they're just these round tables with their cast. They're eating. They're, they're drinking a lot. Yeah, they're not drinking and as much it, here. <laughs> right. So, but they're pulling off. They're pulling off something really interesting at the Golden Globes, and that oh, that vibe of it almost always works. So why here did it not work as well? Do we think when you know that is maybe the redeeming factor of, of the Golden Globes? I mean, for me, I think part of it is that the Golden Globes isn't taken as seriously. So with the Oscars you're trying to create that like informal hang, but like it also is at the same time supposed to be about prestige. So it doesn't want to go like fully into the golden globes kind of trashy thing because it wants to hold an element of prestige. So it it ends up doing this kind of like half in half out balancing act that I don't think really totally works for me. Do you think they should just go full VMAs? Or full, full MTV Movie Awards. I mean, that's Please, the thing. No. Like, <laughs> those shows are fun, but like are at they? the same time, the awards were, mean less. They were fun. They, they were. were fun. Yeah, and you know, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you kind of keep the prestige of the awards if you have like a kind of totally informal party time like ceremony. I don't. I don't know how you do that. I don't know if it works to say that maybe some of the presenters could have been, you know, lightened up a little. I think some of them were taking it a little too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, 
maybe just, you know, just, yeah, don't, just, just maybe just throw in a few jokes or, like, maybe point out the absurdity of things here and there. I don't know. Do, do something a little more, like, Halle Berry was trying to give us something, like, real serious and just was tripping over her mm. words. And it was in just that, like, in that, in that unfortunate Louise Brooks Bob, I just couldn't really handle her whole look. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah um, I don't know. That was, that was a weird thing going on. Uh, it's also important to note, right, that it was that the presenters were all solo, right? We didn't get any of the strange banter of these crazy pairs of presenters. Yeah, that that's a good get. point, yeah. So it was hard to get any kind of, you know, of that kind of organic, sometimes organic chemistry and sometimes the friction, which is lovely to watch. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was a sense of self-seriousness about it, which was really at odds with this kind of casual setting. I also think, too, though, um, I think that's a good point. It's like, yes, there wasn't that interaction, which also led me to think about, you know, the no host thing again. And I actually think with, like, the format and what they were trying to work in, I think it actually worked out until the end where we just got walking Phoenix like, okay, bye, everybody, and then just walks off. Like, You, and, needed, and, you needed yeah. a host for that. To and, like, And sometimes I feel like they did just cut it, like, you know, kind of Corey said, like, to Quest Love, and he's just like, oh, I'm on. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it worked for the most part sort of with this format, though. I mean, I was just going to say, I think Lil Rel Howery – taking more of mm-hmm. like a mm. host role would have really worked because like also yeah. also his banter with Daniel Kaluuya like with get out and dude you're in the sunken place like that was wonderful I, sa- I saved you like yeah. it was like almost yeah speaking as if like all of those were right. actual real life uh events yeah I think I think having Lil Rel Howery like kind of in a more central hosting role where he could have just like been walking around and like interacting with people mm-hmm. I think that could have worked for it and like cut some of the self-seriousness and gave it more of that hang feel while still being prestigious because like Laura Howery is just a delight. So like if you had more of him, I think it could have worked. Well, yeah. And that's also that moment came. It was that wild last hour was like this insane roller coaster ride. He had that. <laughs> then you had the in memoriam, the in memoriam with the peppy music and cutting people out. And then you had the best picture and we we're shocked. And then you have these, you know, Francis McDormand winning and who knows what she's saying or what she's doing. And then that <laughs> howling, final moment she's with, howling. you know, the best actor. And it's just like, what was that last hour? And why did they save the soul comedy bit for that moment? Like, why not give us more throughout the night? Like that was a fun game. I would have watched so many celebrities play. <laughs> right. It, even the, the fabulousness of just Andrew day yeah. shitting on the Oscars and be like, well, that's not surprising. Right. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's that's real um and i loved that uh also really none of us are talking enough about what the table conversation must have been like that they had daniel kaluuya and son close sharing the table i have to know what was happening at that table i do night. wish i was at that table like it would have been great if they did have a mic set up there and somehow just recorded it creepy as hell i know that's a crazy suggestion but no just no, like, no we needed it, it. Put, we needed put it, it on the internet as like a separate thing like the the oscars from glenn close and daniel kaluuya's table like from that, yeah, just great. just hanging hanging with Glenn and, and Daniel. I did have I had some questions about some of the table pairings because when I was looking oh, wow. at it, I was like, "What is this like? Who is at the table with Sorkin? Because they put him like far, far away from where Sorkin was sitting. Like, just you stay over there. I don't know. I mean, he was with his wife, but then the, the thing that stuck out to me was while Lil Rel was like introducing the trivia game, Sorkin's just in the background having absolutely zero fun and. It's just like mm-hmm. maybe you should start smoking crack again because like you're <laughs> you are no fun right now. What are you doing, man? Listen, there's a there's got to be a balance between you know sober you and crazy on crack you. And if it's just smoking a little here and there, I mean maybe that's what we gotta that's what we gotta do. Don't don't smoke crack, and, Aaron Sorkin. That's not for real. I'm just I'm just vibing. I don't I don't know Sorry, that I feel I don't know I don't know I feel the same way. Listen. Uh, no, no, I just want to say another like baffling moment right up there at the end was during the, as they were announcing the Best Actress nominees, that insane moment where poor Carrie Mulligan seemed to be in the dark. We like couldn't yeah. see her. <laughs> what was did that? Did you see like I was the flashing so light? Yes, it was like, like a, a, can, a flickering candle. I thought she was in a production of The Phantom of the Opera. I just didn't understand what was happening. And it's just like, 
This woman's already robbed of this award. Why can't I see her in the audience? You could see her. Strange. You could see her like beaming too. She's like, oh, I'm so happy. Oh. You can just sort of see her teeth, but like otherwise, no, there wasn't. Yeah, she was in the dark. Yeah, in that moment, you were like, you said to me, like, can someone put a spotlight on her? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> it was it was harsh, and honestly, she was she was wearing a winner's dress. She, I think, she thought she was going to take it. It was hard. It was tough. It was a, it was a tough moment for all of us to, to digest. So real quick, and we kind of got to go quickly with this, but Corey, I want to get your takes on your best, your best dressed real quick. Like who, who are the three that really stood out to you? Well, I think I'll just say, you know, first is I love all the men taking chances. Coleman Domingo's pink. I believe it was a Versace suit was fantastic. Uh, The two directors of, um, two two different strangers in their kind of matching gold uh, tuxedo ensembles was, was every it was very two fifty four but I was living for it. Speaking of two fifty four, we had um, Lakeith Stanfield's amazing bell bottom, totally tricked out seventies look, which was just fantastic. Um, so a lot of fun male fashion, which I was happy to see. Uh, I thought one person who really stood out to me actually, I loved her. Uh, her, the way I don't even I want to say guest dress, but it's a dress and a hood combination. And I just think, you know, that's someone I just want to say, though that was maybe not the expected winner. I was really happy to see her win. It's a hard one with her name and the pronoun. Um, but I was just really happy for it. And actually, frankly, really the only maybe like upbeat song, so that were like kind of contemporary ish song, except Kusevic, which is a whole other, it's a whole other robbery. Um, so I loved her look. I loved, uh, like I said, Carrie Mulligan. I really love that gold dress. Mm. And along with Andre Day, who also did something gold, a dress in gold that I really loved. Um, you know, we just didn't get our, you know, we didn't get all the Hollywood luminaries. So, you know, usually we, you know, a Nicole Kidman gives us something exciting and J-Lo gives us something exciting. And we just, you know, because of the necessity of how they had to manage it, we just get we didn't get all of our fashionistas, but you know, there, there were people trying and then, um, and then there was Francis McDormand in, um, a sock <laughs> that had feathers attached to it. Um, and then poor, poor Glenn Close in what I could only say was a modified burka with, with love. I didn't understand it. I was concerned for her. It's like, I, it's, as she was if, doing just it's fine. As if, I don't know. It's, it's as if somebody said Glenn Close, do mother of the bride. And she did. And she really did it. You know, there's a lot. I mean, I'm very ill-informed when it comes to fashion, but I really enjoyed Leslie Odom Jr.'s suit. Gold. I thought, mm-hmm. I thought that was dynamite. Yeah. Straight gold. And I thought Amanda Seyfried or Seyfried looked incredible. No, thought, she looked amazing. Yeah. I thought that dress Beautiful was killing dress. it. I thought the hair and makeup was wonderful. Um, she she looked great too, and I, I I I quite enjoyed that, and I quite enjoyed you know I think the directors of Two Distant Strangers their matching suits like that was an awesome choice, and I really dug it. I I was like I like these guys. I mean, they came out looking like members of the band The Hives. It's just like <laughs> that's great. I'm I'm down with it. Or whatever early two thousands garage band and matching outfits, white stripes. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. No, I love theirs. Mm-hmm. I did really like Andrew Day's. I but. It, it, the one thing I think that you brought up too is that we didn't have our luminaries. Um, yeah, I actually, I, I actually kind of so. And again, this might be because I, well, you know, saw all the movies. Well, not all of them, clearly, as my picks will certainly show uh, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, hey, Corey, calm down. <laughs> um, I, um, I. Uh, I kind of liked it because I kind of liked that we didn't have luminaries around simply just because it did like I would we be talking about the suits from the guys from the two distant strangers like other people I think had a moment to shine or had a moment to have the focus put on them and the people that actually put in the work mm-hmm. and are nominated so yeah I dug that um, so let's go to our predictions and results as chaotic as the Oscars were which would <laughs> be mine that, that's how I would describe mine so in the end uh, Corey without an E one with 17 out of 23 picks. I came in second with 15 out of 23 and beam came in third with 13 out of 23. Not a bad showing. No, it's not awful, but it's not awful. I think that 
with a couple of your picks, your worship of chaos came through and you're just like, what would make most people angry? I'm going to pick. That. <laughs> I don't know if it was most people <laughs> angry. I think it was. No, oh, all right. But yeah, that's that's how it worked out. So, you know, Corey, the ones you got wrong were Nomadland for adapted screenplay that ended up going to the father. You got a love song for Latasha wrong in documentary short that ended up going to Colette cinematography. You chose Nomadland ended up going to Mank song speak now ended up going to her for fight for you. Carrie Mulligan that ended up going to Francis McDormand and Chadwick Boseman that ended up going to Anthony Hopkins. You know, we, we, oh, did, we, did? The, <laughs> we did the Anthony Hopkins thing. Were there any other like true shockers or ones that really made you angry that you missed? Um, nothing. I was angry. Like I said, I was happy about her win. I was very happy about, um, Zeller's win for the father. I think in some ways, maybe that should have given us a tip off earlier in the night, right? That there was real love for that film. True. Um, and you know, some of my picks were, were picked based on like what seemed to be going on at gold derby and, you know, reading all kinds of other newspaper magazine picks, just kind of calculate my head. So I was happy to see those surprises actually made me very happy. Um, kind of surprised. I mean, I actually do think the cinematography in Nomadland was one of its great strengths. I would like an explanation as to why Chloe Zhao and her husband, the cinematographer, weren't sitting next to each other or near each other. But um, it would have been nice to see the interesting husband and wife uh, pairing win. Um, you know, I guess. You know, I, I'd say that, again, like Francis McDormand wasn't my favorite performance of the year. I think she is, I don't want to say she's not a one-note actress, but she plays, she tends to play very similar characters. She was just recorded for Billboard um, for playing a not-too-far-off not character. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of talk that Viola Davis was going to win. I thought it was interesting. It was an interesting I did, you know, no one knew where that was going to go, except that Vanessa Kirby wasn't going to win. But I thought that was, um, I don't know. I guess we should just now assume when Francis McDormand is nominated, she's going to win. Because that seems to be what, <laughs> what's happening, I guess. doesn't matter what, given what three board, billboards shows us, doesn't matter what the quality of the film is. So there you go. Yeah, I feel you. I the I got the cinematography pick wrong. I also picked Nomadland. That was the only one that was like weird to me that one was, upset me i was upset i thought nomad land was so beautiful i thought mank was mm-hmm. just fine you know it's it's fine it's fine and you know that was the only one that really made me upset the other two that i got wrong i got olivia coleman for best sporting actress wrong i'm really happy i got that wrong and i also got time in documentary wrong that ended up going to my octopus teacher that i knew i was going to get wrong but i wanted to pick time because I wanted to go with my heart and it's just such a better movie. I mean, I mean, it is my octopus teacher a movie or is it a 50 minute Nat Geo special? See, you know, that's, that's, that's the question. <laughs> that's the way I feel. I'm like, I really liked looking at my octopus teacher. It was very beautiful, but it's just an installment of planet earth. So like, what are we doing? Exactly. I didn't watch it. <laughs> Um, oh well, you know, there's a there's a very strange relationship between that man and the octopus that is hard to untangle. Well, no well, pun intended. Well, what was just funny was just because I, you know, you saw the clip in it, and I was like, so it's just this the whole time. This is this is the movie. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I, this is I think or one of my picks in terms of just chaos worked out. I mean, I didn't see that Corey picked it, uh, Corey without the, um, but I was like. I heard people talk about this. It, it had such a moment where like everybody was talking about my octopus teacher. Cause everyone like, was just sure so is. befuddled. Sure they were, were just like, what? I also think when it this? came out in like peak pandemic time, they're just like, I need something to make me happy. This weird relationship between an octopus and a man that's going to do it for me. This is uplifting after tiger King, <laughs> I guess. Right. That's one of the things that is confusing, right? Because there. It's like it's, it's very difficult with the documentaries because sometimes you think, you know, like a foreign film, you know, if it's about, 
Syria or whatever, right? It's got to win, right? They, they, there are certain things you just know that they're kind of in love with. And I guess that goes back to, you know, a love, love song for Latasha. I should have known that the Holocaust movie was going to win over that movie. Like, duh. You know, there's cer- certain things they go for. But I have to say, like, going for the Octopus movie over something a collective or time, just what? Like, how? It, it, I mean, it, I... I <laughs> It was weird because like the documentary so often is an issue documentary that wins. And there were so many that were like issue documentaries about like stuff. So it was just a crazy thing and I can't really explain it. And I can't explain why they didn't shout out the octopus in the accepted speech. They just talked about octopuses at large. Yeah. What about no that? longer with us? You know, she well, dies. They need spoiler alert. She dies. Again. <laughs> so. I actually, I actually had a moment like, oh, she does. Um, well, octopuses only have a very short lifespan. That's I know, kind of, I, I know nothing about octopuses. Like, and therein lies the rub. That's, that's, that's it. Well, I mean, I, I, I would have liked at least some sort of shout out. I mean, so the couple that I was a little upset about is I did not. I, I have no idea. This was literally a second guessing sort of thing and not knowing any of the other films uh, with uh, the international uh, feature film. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I just thought my love for another round was clouding my judgment. And so I didn't choose another round. And what fucking won another round? Well, you should have seen that one coming because the dude was nominated in director, bro. That should have. You. But yeah, no. <laughs> and, no. It, and it's the only film, you know. As I said, normally something about Syria or a very serious topic or a migrant crisis or something in that that genre wins. But here it was kind of a strangely feel-good movie that people wanted to watch. You know, like something like Kovadis Aida was, is a fantastic movie, probably should have won on the merits of being a much, uh, just a better film in many ways. But a tough watch, right? To sit and watch and talk, watch a movie about the Bosnian genocide where, you know, you have another round and you have Matt Mickelson, you know, dancing. Getting for day drunk. Seven minutes and truck right at, at the end. So, yeah, that one is just like, I think it was an easy watch. Perhaps so, too, with my access teacher at its length. It's so, so brief. Maybe it was just the easiest watch for, for people. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Um, Beam, I don't want to go through all of no, the I don't, ones you got wrong because I'm not going to go through all of them. I'm not. There were just so many. I, so no, many. there was so many, but the other one that I was a little upset about was I really just think Hillbilly Elegy should have gotten the best, <laughs> best hair and makeup. I love when you texted me, best hair and makeup, Hillbilly Elegy, because <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it seems a little bit like they just kind of let through cautions to win there and let everybody do their own. But sure, yeah. <laughs> can I can I ask one question though? And I asked Corey this, and he didn't have an answer. Uh, you know, Corey with an E and Corey without an E. The one one thing I want to know is Borat, which one to have that title read aloud? Th- that was oh, a great that was moment. A great moment. <laughs> Listing all of the writers, and there's like eleven of them, and yeah. then reading the whole title. That was just dynamite. And the way she set it up, like, here we go. Here we go. What <laughs> in the world? What was it adapted from? Um, that, that is, is the thing. <laughs> that, is the, that is the existential question of the evening. I have been trying to figure that out since the nominations were announced. <laughs> from what was it adapted? Um, How did what, you do that? What, what does it mean? Where, where did it come from? And how is it it's a like, screenplay? It's so it's like improv. What you just is the set original up situations and put them into it, and then it's like like what is the original source material? Please tell me. I, yeah, that's so I have questions. I have to know where did it come from. But you know, it, we'll never know now. Now we'll just never know. Unfortunately, no one's going to ask that. Nor will we question. ever get an acceptance speech from Sydney, Australia, on a bridge. I'll question <laughs> where those two were and why that was happening. Yeah, that the, was the Australia. That had to be a CGI background, right? It wasn't. I thought I thought, but it, I thought so it, too. I feel like I feel like Soderbergh wasn't fucking around, but uh, <laughs> I, maybe it was because that was just strange. I saw no cars going on the bridge. I saw no. I was like, what, I don't know. What's Again, happening? trains not going through the station. Just it's a lot of. It, it was nice to see Isla Fisher, though. We haven't seen her in a while. Yeah, love seeing her. She's she's great. Uh, Beam, the, the last thing I do want to give you a shout out, you called two that we both got wrong. You picked Frances McDormand for Best Actress and you picked Fight For You for Best Song. So congratulations on those. One of them was definitely a close your eyes and just throw darts at a dartboard sort of thing. So, <laughs> Was it Best Song? 
Yeah, it was absolutely best song. <laughs> Francis McDormand, mm-hmm. I just thought, I, I don't know why. Um, again, this is just, I'm, I'm coming in. I said to Corey, I was like, this is like me doing a March Madness bracket. I have no idea what any of these teams have done. I see they have rankings, <laughs> um, but sometimes those rankings mean nothing. So you know what? Let's just roll the dice. But with for some reason, Francis McDormand, I was just like, they're going to fucking give it to her. Like, I wanted it to go to Andrew Day, personally. Fucking loved her performance in that batshit crazy movie. But, it, like, um, I don't know. It just felt like it's going to go to Francis McDormand. And, yeah, sure enough. And she could have cared less. <laughs> That's the thing. It's- truly, truly did not give one fuck. <laughs> Zero fucks given. Just goes up and starts howling as her acceptance speech. Just wild stuff. And, I, you know. Even the people, like, even I feel like Chloe, uh, Swank, uh, Swanky, and, like, uh, uh, Fern up there. Or not Fern. Uh, what was the other woman's name? Anyway, um, they didn't know they were supposed to howl, I think, in that moment. <laughs> I think you're like, oh, oh, yeah, we're howling now. Oh, All right, we're doing that. Happened, <laughs> Also, what was that moment actually where Chloe Zhao said, and now to Fern, and then she looks, and then Francis Fern says, Fran, actually, and then started talking like, They're not friends anymore. Wow. That was, that was the, the, the tension there. That was the movie. Uh, I wanted to know more about that. My God, Francis Victoria. I mean, and I know you have problems with her, Corey, but that's why I like her. She just goes up, gives zero fucks, and just howls, and good for you. Do, do your thing. The last thing that I just want to say, and Corey, you touched on this before, best song to me is such a ridiculous category, and especially with these nominees, because I think Fight For You, personally, was the best song of the bunch, Yeah, but it plays no role in the movie, and all of these songs yeah, they, were just end credit songs. Like, four, four, four of the five songs play for the end credits. It doesn't not integral in any way to the movie right and Husevic was the only one so like that has to ma- that that should matter when the song's actually a part of the film what are we doing i when, don't understand wouldn't have that been some shit <laughs> will ferrell gets and gets a fucking oscar for singing <laughs> well he he does it he does it but yes i mean when he showed up and it's just like will ferrell singing on the video clip real fast i was like okay oh <laughs> word okay <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they were it was really exposing poor Rachel like Evans there with the real singer being shown and this kind of flashing to her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree about that. You no, know, we didn't really have, um, you know, Disney didn't have one of its musicals this year, and even for next year, Ryan the Last Dragon was not a musical. Uh, they kind of purposefully made that choice. It, you could see from the animation clips that Over the Moon was, but I guess you know, nothing from there really stood out. Uh, very strange. Um, you know, obviously next year, I don't, Oh, for sure. I haven't heard anything, but I don't know if that, uh, in the Heights or West Side Story have any new songs written for them, right? So we didn't really have any musicals, per se. Uh, and we'll see next year what happens with those two shows. I hope to God nobody's about to write a new song for West Side Story. It seems <laughs> wrong in so many ways, as does the entire ill-conceived remake. It's actually going to um, be Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's going to write a new song. It's going to do you in that. <laughs> I'm just well, kidding. I don't know that at all. Will compete with himself against his own movie in the heights. It's true, probably. He loves that. Um, didn't he already win from Alana? I want to say he won. Uh, you know, so yeah, I agree that these kind of songs play over the end credits that have very, very little to do with the movies just don't make a ton of sense. And yeah, I get, you know, many years can be a great category. And, and plus, those performances were kind of, you know, settled to the, the pre show. So most people didn't even get a chance to see that soaring Husevic performance. Oh, I, lo- I loved it in Iceland with the kids' choir. It was it was delightful. Great, great. <laughs> I was watching The Circle. I'm sorry. <laughs> My wife and I were oh, finishing oh. an episode. Wow. I, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't understand that show. All right, it's okay. So, Corey, any closing thoughts you want to share? Uh. You know, I think it was a kind of a fitting end to a very strange year in movies. Uh, I, you know, in the last show, we were talking about what might the Oscars tell us about what's going forward. I would say that now we have no idea. Um, we have no idea except that The Eternals is coming this year at some point by Chloe Zhao, Oscar winning director. Um, yeah, I, in, in many ways, uh, the 
truly chaotic and terrifying first installment of the Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion was more coherent than what I saw during the three and a half hours of the Oscars. And believe me, with those women, you weren't expecting that. So I don't know. Just, I think I'm almost left thoughtless. <laughs> No, I mean, I agree. The The only thing that we can take away from this is a sense of uncertainty going forward about what mm-hmm. the hell mm-hmm. is going on. I don't know. That seems normal. That just seems <laughs> that's just I, I'm going to walk out my door probably in a little bit to go get lunch. And I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Well, sure, sure. <laughs> so really, it's the most true to life ending that you could have possibly. The Oscars, the Oscars just mimicked real life is really all it was. Well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess we just know two big musicals are coming, uh, and that's basically all we know from the night. I would just like a little more showcase of some other things coming up, but okay, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, also, I will say that we couldn't have predicted that uh, West Side Story would seem so homoerotic. I was not not turned on by that trailer. <laughs> so, kind of a uh, kind of looking forward to that now, minus Ansel Elgort. Yeah. Steven Spielberg doing West Side Story is like. It seems weird. I don't know. But it's like, why, sir? That, well, if a movie never, if there's a movie that didn't need a remake, it's that. What if why? They, what if they started shooting lasers at each other? Like that's just that. Just, just fit that in. Just sci-fi yeah. West Side Story. Like I don't know. It, it's West weird. World Side Story. West, West World, World Side, Side Story. Story. All right. So that's it for I us. I want that. Corey, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, man. guys. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, man. Beam. Anything? I. I don't know. I think, again, as apparently an agent of chaos, everything that just sort of happened that last evening is, like, you know, what I wanted. So, <laughs> I, I'm glad you got what you wanted while all the rest of us are left reeling. Uh, oh, and I guess, I guess, Corey, I guess we can always cut this out, but if, if you're lucky, look forward in your feet. I don't know how that works. Uh, for uh, Corey and I are trying out a new show. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll be talking all about... Uh, pop culture and movies, music and TV and all that stuff. So uh, check it out in the coming days, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. And That'll you be can exciting. follow us on Instagram at back porch media, Twitter at Porchback media, Apple podcast, Spotify rate review, all that good stuff. See y'all. Thanks for tuning in.